0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Just Saying, a podcast about how to be a more intentional communicator. I'm Charlie Thornton with another episode of Be My Guest. And this week, we're talking comedy. But first, and as always, if you're new, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad you're here. You know the drill. Go subscribe. Leave us a killer review on iTunes. You know, we always want you to be brief, but if you want to elaborate a little bit in your reviews on iTunes, maybe get creative, maybe write some sort of poem or a haiku that's up to you but we're cool with it okay if there's one industry where you have to be able to keep people's attention it's comedy and my guest today is Aaron Weber a very funny comedian from Nashville and I was really excited to talk to him I wanted to pick his brain to see if we could learn some things from the world of stand-up that might be helpful in the workplace and I actually learned a lot and I hope you will too let's listen in Aaron Weber Thanks so much
1: for being here, man. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to talk to you. So you're in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Just got done snow in here and now it's um, it's great down here, man. How are you? I, I'm doing awesome. It's
0: really cool to talk to you because uh, as you know, we focus a lot on how do people pay attention and how do you get people's attention? Yeah. And that's something that comedians deal with maybe in a different way than business people but gosh you, you guys deal with this all the time so
1: yeah that um, feels like a big part of my job actually is just getting, getting people's people attention to pay attention that's the yeah. first step how's it going uh well it's going all right um it's uh it's if i can get them to pay attention getting them the laughs the next step but but getting people to turn around and face you and turn off the TV at the bar and put away their phones. All that's the most important thing. Excellent.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to to talking through that with you. I thought maybe we could start with a little bit of, uh, maybe just a little bit of your backstory. So you grew up in Alabama?
1: I did, Montgomery.
0: And then I saw that you went to Notre Dame.
1: I did. Yeah, I went to Notre Dame, uh, moved to Nashville afterwards. And I've just lived here ever since. Started doing comedy about five years ago. And I've just been, uh, been full-time for about two years now. So um, it's pretty much all I've been doing, man. How did you decide that comedy was going to be your thing? I knew that I wanted to do it and take it seriously. It wasn't for a couple years that I thought going full-time might be a viable option. Um, I, I had always been a fan of it. I watched it growing up. I dabbled a little bit in college. I did like a a student group. We would do shows there, but it wasn't until moving back to Nashville and like doing it for real that I really started to realize, oh, I might actually do this for a job. And that was really the only goal when I started because I had a job that I hated. And I said, if I can just do stand up and that could be the only thing I do, that's all I ever want.
0: Good motivation, huh? Yeah, for sure
1: for sure. All right. So there's a lot
0: of people who would be terrified to get up on a on a stage and and do stand up. So what was it that made you interested in doing that? Hmm. How was that better than whatever else you were doing?
1: (laughs) Well, I was I was working a call center job where I just had to cold call people hundreds of times a day. I was terrible at it. I got fired because I wasn't doing my job I mean, I was a terrible employee. So it wasn't like I was working really hard. But just the stress of a phone call would ruin my day. So public speaking, speaking in front of people at a bar was nothing compared to that of just having to call a stranger and get rejected by him over and over and over again. So that's interesting that that was
0: that was more terrifying to you than standing up in front of. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. I had always liked public speaking. I did like debate and stuff in high school. So I always liked it never really bothered me. talking in front of people yeah and and you you might have heard this said before i hear all the time it's like i'd rather i'd rather talk to a hundred people than talk to one person one-on-one so those do you think that is i have no idea the one-on-one phone calls it's just the the stress of just calling another person and just knowing you're bothering them i hated that. but a hundred people you're not even really looking at anybody. You're just looking above. You're looking at this side of the room, this side of the room. There's no awkward one-on-one interaction there. There's always somebody else you can just jump to in the crowd. Right, right. Yeah, if you don't like that, one, you just turn this way and you don't even have to worry about that person anymore. <laughs> uh,
0: let's talk about rooms a little bit. So what type of rooms do you usually play to? I don't know if you use that verb play to... Mm-hmm.
1: I'd mostly do comedy comedy clubs, but Mm -hmm. I've done, I've done just about everything. I've done uh, a lot of churches, some theaters, a few arenas, and then, you know, a lot of bar shows and VFWs, bowling alleys. I've done just about anywhere. Um, But comedy clubs are, that's where I make most of my money. That's where I get most of my work.
0: is Is it different night to night? Like, is there, is a, is a room different?
1: Yeah, Saturday
0: versus Friday or for sure, for sure. Um, Can you predict it at all? Or is it just like you find there are rules
1: of thumb that you learn pretty quickly. The late show Friday, typically a weekend is a Thursday night show, then two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. And that's a weekend at a club. So all of those different shows have different personalities because they're a function of what kind of people are there at that time. Sunday night shows are a little usually a little more calm not as rowdy because it's people they got to go to work the next morning historically and this is everywhere across the country late show Friday is typically the worst because it's like nine thirty on a Friday night people usually haven't gone home since work and they've just been drinking since okay. then so late show Friday is the uh the rowdiest of all the shows almost always. Now there are always exceptions depending on where you are, but th- that's typically how it works out in my experience. Interesting. And I'm surprised to
0: hear that you don't want your audience to be halfway into the, into the, no, bar.
1: no, I don't at all. I Why like them. That, I like them a couple drink Cause people are there, dude, people are their worst on uh on when they're drunk. Yeah. You want people to be loose and having fun, but there's a fine line between, being loose and having fun and being a problem and people are at their worst at comedy clubs. I see it all the time. People hammered drunk. They start trying to participate in the show. You can't keep their attention as well. They start pulling out their phones. They get up, they're talking to each other. It's just, it's a problem. So I like them. uh, I like them. You know, some people can be drunk and behave themselves, but a lot of people can't and they don't even know that they're being disruptive because they're hammered right right you know now that's I don't want full-on sober I've done plenty of those shows and churches and stuff where everyone's just drinking water that's fine too you can have fun sober but uh there's that perfect middle ground which is like one or two beers they're relaxed but they're behaved
0: now what about comedians in in most cases do comedians keep it pretty straight before they go on?
1: much much more now than they used to you've probably heard stories about like comedians in the 80s doing blow in the green room and they're getting hammered on stage and there's still some of that but on the whole it's much more tame a lot of comedians now famous ones are sober they're vegans they're doing yoga in the green room or whatever else Um, and I, i there are some guys friends of mine who drink on stage but but most of the comics i know even if they get drunk, they do it after the show. Yeah. Because they need to, uh, they need to, you know, stay in control of themselves.
0: Yeah. Now that makes, I mean, I know a lot of like improv comedians notoriously don't drink before they go on because they, they don't want to lose any of their fact, any of their sharpness.
1: Yeah. And they got other people relying on them too, right? So they don't want to yeah. put the whole troupe in jeopardy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really interested in how um,
0: you prepare for your set so like what's a standard set for you how, how long is a standard set it depends it can,
1: anywhere from 10 minutes
0: to 45 minutes okay so let's say let's take a 45 minute set mm-hmm. how long do you prepare for a, a set like that
1: well it took about five years before i had 45 minutes of material 45 minutes is an incredibly long that's a lot of time yeah and so You know, when you start out doing comedy, you get these little four minute sets and you just try to get some laughs in four minutes. So it's years and years of building jokes that, you know, work jokes that you're happy with. So it took a while before I had 45 minutes. And then you just, you know, you think about all your jokes, all your material. I have a, I keep a notes app where I just have everything listed. And then I go, I got 45 minutes. Where am I? Oh, I can do this topical stuff up top maybe some jokes about where we are. And then I've got, in my mind, I've got all these jokes grouped up in chunks. That's how I think of them. So I'll do this sports chunk right here, maybe this food chunk right here and just work my way through it like that. I'm much more lax about it now than I used to be because I've gotten more of these longer sets under my belt. But the first time I had a longer set, I was super methodical about this this joke, this joke, this joke, this joke put it on a little note you know piece of paper in my pocket so I have it there if I need to and I was real worried about following that list exactly but now I'm a little more comfortable diverting from the uh, the original plan do you find you do that like uh, you call an
0: audible and you're like I wasn't going to go into this one but based on this audience I'm going to pull it in
1: yeah I'm getting better at that that that's important Um, somebody told me, a comic friend of mine, he was like, dude, nothing is funnier than the moment. So if something Mm -hmm. happens in the room or a joke gets a certain reaction, don't be afraid to run with that. Forget about what you had planned. Forget about this little set list in your pocket. It's like, let's enjoy this moment. Nothing will be funnier than what's happening right now. Another analogy I really like is uh, my buddy Monty Mitchell told me this. He's like, if you think of your set as a tree, and then when you go off on these tangents, when you do crowd work, when you address something in the room, that's like going off on a, a branch of the tree. And sometimes there's a f- piece of fruit out there, right? But sometimes if you go out too far, you'll fall down and you, you need to run back to the trunk whenever you can. So that's kind of how I think about it when I'm up there.
0: Uh, you probably
1: get asked this a lot. Have you ever just like bombed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bombing is, uh, yeah, it happens all the time. I had, um, God, when was the last time I bombed? I mean, it was less than a week ago. I bomb all the time. Everybody bombs. That's one of the cooler things about if you go to a comedy club, especially like uh, some of these like new material nights where famous headlining comedians are up there, you'll see them bomb because there's no way to know if a joke is funny until you say it out loud in front of people. Yeah, you, you hone your instincts over time. You start to go, oh, I I know what's going to play well and what's. Sometimes you just don't know until you say it out loud. So, yeah, happens all the time, man. And uh, it never feels good. You start to uh, feel better about it, you know, because you over time things get put in perspective. When I bombed when I started out, I would go, oh, I don't have another show for three months. So this is going to ruin my next three months. I've just at work the next day at my call center job thinking about me bombing, but now it's like, Oh, I bombed, whatever. I don't care. I got another show tomorrow night. We'll just move on from it. And you just keep moving. Yeah, man. There's actually, I, I think for even for business people, there's some
0: parallels to when you say things out loud, now they're real, you know, and you can mm-hmm. evaluate them with your own ears. The people around you can evaluate them and you can, and sometimes you're like, man, what I just said doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I wouldn't, that if I were me
1: yeah yeah you can stand in your bathroom with a hairbrush you know going over your lines but that means nothing yeah it's 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 you got to go out and say it in front of people so
0: what's the what's your balance of sort of like sitting down quietly like writing jokes versus like trying stuff out in front of people how do you because to get to a 45 minute set I'm sure you have to do both of those things
1: Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I'm not as good at it as I should be. I know a lot of guys will sit down, they'll, they'll, all right, set a timer for an hour and they'll just free write. And they're like, Oh, you know, I got some stuff out of that. I'm not that good at that. Usually I'll just, if I think of something funny throughout the day, I'll write it down. And then next time I'm thinking about it, I'll go, Oh, let me flesh this out a little bit. Let me see what happens here. I do a lot of talking out loud to myself. Because i found if I try to write things word for word, I'm going to sound a little too robotic and I want to sound conversational. Yeah. You want the illusion that, uh, that it's all kind of off the cuff. Yeah. You know, and even though people know that it's all thought of ahead of time, but you want that illusion, right? So if I don't, if I avoid writing things word for word and just kind of talk through things, talk through ideas, Usually in this room that I'm in right now, I'll just walk around and talk through things, and then you go, yeah. "All right, I've got something I'm a little bit confident in. Now it's time to take it to a stage in front of people." So you go to an open mic, you go to a show, you go somewhere with an audience, and you just throw it to the wolves
0: and see what happens. Yeah, are you, do you find you're like an auditory person, like you mm. you? listen to things more so than like uh there are visual learners there are auditory Mm -hmm. learners um i'm just picturing you sort of making these jokes stronger and better as you walk around your room saying them out loud to yourself is that part of your yes yes for sure so it's almost like you you write it but you write it with your mouth not your hand so much
1: yeah i want to write it in yes exactly because i want to write it in my voice and you yeah. know, everybody writes a little differently than they speak. So yeah. I found that if I try to write stuff, I'm like, what is this? Like a f- poetry. That's not how people talk. Yeah. It, and yeah. you people would be annoyed if I went up there and started reading stanzas, you know, it's just like, so yeah, just, just talking it out, feeling it out, getting it to how I actually speak. Well,
0: and there are a lot of song, I, I'm a songwriter and there are a okay. lot of songwriters who write that way. They don't sit down and, write everything down Uh there are some who do that and it sounds like poetry but there are others who sort of say it out loud sing it out loud a bunch of times Mm -hmm. and then try to get it right yeah um and you know your point there about um once you get you want it to be in your own voice like i think the best leaders actually when they communicate it does not sound scripted Mm -hmm. but it is prepared Yes. So it might be prepared and rehearsed, but it's not scripted. And that's kind of a fine line that you have to, a balance you have to strike. Right. Nobody wants to feel like they're being read to. Yeah. You know? Well, because and- then it's like, I don't know, this is some pre-prepared thing that maybe somebody
1: wrote for you. Right. And then it's like, are you even in the room with us? Quit. Yeah. You know, quit. Do you Just look at us. Talk to us. Talk with us. Yeah. You know, be authentic. Right. That's a big part of
0: it. Well, that's back to your point about like there's nothing funnier than the moment. Um, I think one of the things, having seen some of your comedy, one of the things that you do really well is like laughing in the moment. I think that's very um, enduring. You know, the chances I've had, I'm obviously not a comedian, but when I am in front of people, I find that sometimes just laughing, even at yourself, it like breaks down a certain barrier. And now all of a sudden people are
1: willing to listen more. Right yeah that can be very useful uh a, a laugh i think if you a lot of stand-up comics if you watch them a lot of that is more calculated than than they than they let on if you you know a laugh or a, a, a pause or a looks all of those things are calculated because they do exactly what you talked about they they ingratiate the comedians to to the crowd those kind of things yeah
0: yeah well, and I might be stepping out a little bit too far here, but if, um, what are some things that, that you think business people, military leaders could, could learn from comedians about how to get people's attention and hold their
1: attention? Um, I think uh, that's a good question. I think one of the things I learned that might, uh, might apply. Is if I had jokes that I knew, I have a few jokes that I know are a little bit edgier. I hate the word edgy, but they're a little bit, uh, they're a little harder to tell. And I learned over, over the years that I can't open with those jokes. You can't lead off with something, something edgy, something a little more complicated, You need to establish who you are as a person first in your set. Mm -hmm. You need to make them like you right off the bat. And so if I had a joke, if I have a joke about the Klan, I have a KKK joke. It's not pro Klan. I'm going to get that out there. It's not (laughs) in favor of the Klan, but it is (laughs) just a regular fun topic. Just, you know, yeah, man, that's what I do. (laughs) Just a Klan joke. It's about the Klan. So it doesn't even, you say KKK, it doesn't even matter if it's, doesn't even matter what it's about. because It's charged immediately. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you can't jump, you can't go, hey, everybody, let's talk about the Klan. Everyone goes, geez, what show is this, right? Yeah. So you need to take about, I'll take five, 10 minutes doing jokes that I know work, jokes that make them like me, jokes that make them give me the benefit of the doubt. And then I'll hit them with the clan joke because then they're going to go, all right, I'll let him take me on this ride a little bit. I won't tune out right away. So I think yeah. there are probably some parallels with that. When, when people are talking in, in, in public or, or working with people, it's like, you can't, the more contentious stuff, the the difficult stuff, that stuff can't, you got to bring people to your side first. You got to bring everybody in and then you hit them with that
0: because then it's going to work and build that rapport. Exactly. Um, Exactly. I I think that's so, so important. In fact, when I'm speaking, I always think I have two things in my head as I go on. Now, normally if it's a smaller group, it's not a big deal. But if I, you know, on the occasion that I'm talking in front of a really large group, I always just, and I don't have notes or anything. I say, what's my headline? Like, what's the main point of this whole thing? And then what's my first joke? Because if I can get to just get them to laugh a little bit, um, I find that it puts me at ease too.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, dude. Yeah. I, I like I like to try to get a laugh, super quickly. Yeah. I have like four or five little opening lines that are one beat, and I'll get a laugh right away. Because that just that's equally for my benefit. Right. Just to make me feel more comfortable, like you said. If I can get a laugh right away, then all right, let's settle in a little bit. They're laughing. They're paying attention. We're good. That's fantastic. So you've
0: got a lot of different irons in the fire, right? So you're a co-host of uh, Nate Land, which is really cool and super funny. You have your uh, you have your own podcast as well, correct? I haven't done that in a while. I think okay. it's probably been about a year and a half since okay. I. Um, but what, what are some of the next big things that you want to do?
1: I want to just continue to, to headline comedy clubs more. I've been a a middle act and opener for years and I'll continue to do that for a while, but I'd love to just keep headlining places when I can. Yeah. And then that's the goal is to just start to build fans that way and be able to travel around the country doing different clubs, doing different venues and having people come out. That's kind of that's all I want to do, you know. Acting, that kind of stuff will come along. That's that just kind of falls in as part of it, but that's not really what I'm most interested in. It's mostly just doing stand up, man, and just having people come out to see you. That's the goal for me. Everybody leaves and they had a good time. That's a good right. A good night for you.
0: Yeah, man. For sure. Very cool. Very cool. Um, are you, this sound, sound like weird, but are you like naturally a funny person? Are you like the life of the party?
1: No. And I'd say less so now than when I started doing stand standup. Uh, I've thought about this actually I, in college. I was, you know, I guess I was funny in some ways, but I was not holding court at the bar telling stories, yeah. you know? Yeah. I had friends in my group that were like that, but I, I never was that guy. I'll try to be every now and then. But when I started doing stand standup, uh, I've, I felt less of a need to be that guy when I'm outside of stand up. It was scratching that itch. Yeah, I'd say a lot of that for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a now, good way to put it.
0: Now, the flip side of that is now that you are a comedian and you're getting some notoriety and you're, you've done all these cool things and you're still doing these cool things, is it weird? Like, do you find that everybody expects you to be funny all the time?
1: Um, no, you know, I don't hang out. This is kind of sad, but I don't hang out with a lot of people that aren't in, in comedy much okay. anymore. I found that that kind of I, I still have friends that are not in comedy, but most mo- they're who I'm around most of the time is comedians or people that are adjacent to comedy. So we're all kind of being funny, but being funny in a different way than we would if, you know. We're just hanging out at a bar. Yeah, got it. Yeah, uh-huh. that makes sense.
0: Uh, good. Well, it's it's been really cool to to talk with you and and pick your brain um, about some of the ways, some of the techniques that you and other other comedians use to to pull people in. Yeah, man. Um, we kind of think of this idea of. You know, the the whole idea of communicating is you got to you got to buy someone's attention and then give them some value back Mm -hmm. Um, in your world. That's super palpable. That value you give back is a good time and a and a laugh out loud, which, yeah, you know, which is which which you know, if it happens
1: or if it didn't. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, every few seconds, whether it's working or not. Yeah. And it's it's authentic feedback. You know, I always joke about musicians. uh, Some of these songwriters around Nashville, they play a song. And then, you know, the uh, people are quiet for three minutes and then they clap. You don't know if they like that song or not. They know they're supposed to clap. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, people, yeah, it was all right. Stand up is like you bring your family there. They're not going to laugh if it's not funny because you can't. So, you're getting really authentic feedback every five to six seconds. Yeah. So, yeah. It man. is. I mean, I have a lot of respect for
0: comedians because as someone who's performed a lot as a musician, I, I think you're, You're absolutely right. And even, um, you know, actors, same kind of thing. You Mm -hmm. don't really know you can kind of fake it and have some success or at least have the appearance of success. I don't think comedians have that luxury. You know, I think it's almost a
1: visceral thing. It's, it, it, it was either funny or it wasn't right. Right. And then the other thing we have stacked against us is it's, it's active entertainment. It's not passive in the way that music can be sometimes. There's no such thing as background standup, right? You know, it's uh, you can have a musician playing at the bar where people are having conversations with each other and they're not even really watching that guy. Uh, if, if that were stand stand-up, you'd be like, who's this idiot talking, get that guy off the stage, make him stop. We're trying to have fun over here, dude, <laughs> shut up. That's what a lot of it, you know? So yeah. that's the, yeah, you got to Everyone's got to be paying attention to you. Good stuff. All right. Where can people look you
0: up and follow you? What's the best way?
1: Uh, at Real Aaron Weber everywhere. That's my handle everywhere. So just on all social media, TikTok. Hit me up at on TikTok.
0: Real. At, at Real, Real Aaron, Aaron Weber.
1: <laughs> at Real Aaron Weber. Yeah, AaronWeberComedy.com for dates. You got a lot of TikTok videos. Yeah, dude, I'm blowing up over there, man. Once these 12 these year olds are old enough to buy tickets to shows, <laughs> they're going to come. <laughs> I'm going to be selling out places, man. I don't even know what it is, so <laughs> dude, I barely know what it is. I'm not gonna ask any more questions about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> All right. Well,
0: it's Aaron. It's awesome talking to you. Appreciate you. Yeah, uh, man. Sharing some insights and um, good luck out there. It's, it's a lot. I imagine dude. it's been tough with COVID, but hang in there. Yeah. We need we need to laugh now? I think more than ever. I think so. So keep for at sure. it, man. You're doing really important stuff.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks for having me, man. All Appreciate right. Thank it. you. Take yep. care.